Today we're going to discuss the master key for a warrior disciple. Okay, a master key. We have a key here at the church that gets you in all these doors, okay? okay? And, and even the fellowship hall. That's your master key, right? It opens the door. It, it opens all the doors, okay? And some of you young people are looking at me funny because y'all don't really know what a master key is. So we'll put it to you this way, okay? It's like the password on your cell phone. If you're trying to get into your cell phone, you either have a four or six or eight digit code that you have to put in to be able to pull up access to everything in your phone, the internet, pictures, different apps, whatever else you got on that dang phone, right? Okay, well, that's the same thing as a, as a master key. This key or password, if you will, that we're going to learn about today allows you to unlock all the gifts it takes to truly disciple more Christians to build God's kingdom. Jesus discusses this in the greatest sermon that he ever preached, which we know as the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, excuse me, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The number one concern you should have as a warrior disciple is to seek the kingdom of God first. Or another word for seek is to pursue. But Michael, what does it mean? What do you mean when you talk about the kingdom? The kingdom is God's divine rule. See, the theme of the whole Bible for gen from Genesis to Revelation is about one subject. And the reason why a lot of Christians struggle in learning the Bible is because they don't understand this one theme. The whole theme of the Bible is the glory of God through the achievement of his kingdom. This is reflected in different ways in different times and through many different people throughout the Bible. But the whole theme is, again, to build God's kingdom from start to finish. That's the whole thing. That's why Satan's number one goal is to stop your pursuit. If he can stop you from seeking or pursuing God, he can delay the advancement of God's kingdom. Satan did this to the Israelites time and time again in the Bible, throughout the Bible, right? I mean, that's God's chosen people. God tried to point them in the right direction. He'd get them going in the right direction. And then Satan would come in and he would attack, right? I mean, he would throw everything off key. One way, y'all know I like football, so I'm going I'm to draw this on the board. Don't make fun of my drawing. But we're going to draw up, okay, like in football, you have a, a play. It's called a fly pattern, okay? Men, who knows a fly pattern? Raise your hand. Not as many as you should. Y'all need to watch more football, okay? I'm just kidding. So the fly pattern, you've got a receiver on the outside. The quarterback gets the ball. I'm going to really break this down for you ladies because y'all are like, what's a quarterback? Okay. Quarterback's the guy that gets the ball every play, right? He's the one that throws it or hands it off, okay? Tom Brady, that's a quarterback, okay? Yeah. Dak Prescott, that's a quarterback. Amen. So, so, so the quarterback gets the ball. And he drops back, and, and the receiver just takes off downfield, okay? And he's trying to beat the, the, the defensive back and, and score a touchdown. I mean, they're just going to throw it up, throw it as far as you can, get the receiver to go catch it, and score a touchdown, right? That's called a fly pattern, okay? Let me, I'm going to explain it because some of y'all are looking at me funny. Okay. Let's see here. I don't know who wrote that, but thank you. It was nice of you. 
Okay, for those of y'all, if y'all can, this is the play right here, right? Okay, so you've got your quarterback. Can y'all see this at all? Any of y'all? Some of y'all can't see it, can you? That's okay. I'll explain it. So you've got your quarterback. Your, your receiver is the Israelites, right? I mean, that's, that's who you've got here. That's this fly pattern. This receiver right here is going to go straight up field and try and beat this defensive back right here to score a touchdown. That's the whole goal, right? But the problem is, is that Satan, what he does is he blitzes the linebackers. He'll send them in this way. Well, the problem with the blitz is, is it doesn't give your quarterback enough time to throw the football. So you've got a receiver downfield, and he may be wide open. The Israelites may be wide open, but the quarterback can't get the ball there because there's too much pressure. All these men are grinning from here. All you ladies are like, what are you talking about right now? Yes, I do. That's why I did it. But here's what's cool. This is what God did, okay? He has an option, okay? We call this an option. If that guy, if they blitz and he can't get the ball to here, what God does is he takes the halfback, and we're going to call him the church, which is right here, and he's going to run to this side and sit and wait for a dump-off pass. That's what he's going to do. We're the church. We're the dump-off pass. See, forever in the Bible, God tried to get the Israelites to go score the touchdown. The problem was is Satan kept getting in the way. He kept putting too much pressure on them. He kept deflecting them from pursuing God. It's our job to be the dump-off pass as the church. Ladies, do you understand that better now? No, y'all are look, still looking at me crazy. That was a lineman. I wanted you to check something else out from this verse. Another thing we need to notice about the verse is that we are to seek his righteousness. God's righteousness is the standards of how his kingdom operates and the rule by which it works. Now, you need to understand God's rules. They don't often follow the rules of culture or popular opinion today. I think that's obvious. The world has tried to change the rules. But I want to set something straight. God has spoken and he has not stuttered. There are two answers to every single question in this world. It's either God's answer or it's everybody else's. And I need you to understand that anybody else that disagrees with God's answer is wrong. So don't hang on to those types of people that are trying to feed you the wrong answers. The main word that we need to pay the most attention to in this entire verse is the word first, the third word up there. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This word is the master ingredient in gaining that master key that we're talking about for discipleship. I'm going to throw some of you off here. Did you all know that there are certain things that God cannot do. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, But Micah, God is almighty. He can do everything. No, no, he, he can't. He can't sin. He cannot sin. God is good. God is righteous. There's no sin that comes along with that. Our Father cannot sin. And verse to back that up, James 1.13 and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. 
So God cannot sin. We understand that, right? I'm going to tell you something else that God cannot do. God cannot be second. He cannot be second place. He must be first. Most of us all know the saying that second place is the first loser, right? God's not a loser. He cannot be second place. Verses again to back this up, Exodus 23, 19. As you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Revelation 2, 5. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Colossians 1.18. Christ, I love this one. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. He is first in everything. I mean, heck, guys, the first of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 3, you must not have any other God but me. The reason why, well, first of all, I want to point this out, is it's not a coincidence that the very first of the Ten Commandments is that he has to be first. The reason why the church is not seeing more of God's authority is because we continue to put him second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth in our lives. I want to ask y'all a question. What is the first thing that you do in the morning? You turn on the TV, you grab your phone, check social media, check emails. I think everybody in this room, and not just in this room, but anyone that wants to consider themselves a disciple should start their morning off with a conversation with God. If you're not doing this already, I challenge you to do so. It should be the first thing you do in the morning. God must be first in your priorities, first in your passions, and most importantly, first in your decisions. You know, we, we've always at this church and I, I just had I had actually three meetings this past week from some people from this church and the, one of the main points I wanted to get across to them is I don't make a decision until I hear him that's how a church should operate but I need you to understand something that's how your home should operate don't make a decision until you hear him until you have full peace of the direction that you need to go, because again, real peace only comes from God, that's when you make those decisions. Most people and a lot of Christians come to God because nothing else has worked. They've made him the last priority instead of the most important priority. I, I'm not a baseball guy, as y'all can tell. Ba baseball's too slow for me. Um, some people say, Micah, how, how do you play golf? Go golf's actually faster for me than baseball. It, it really is, because you're constantly thinking about what you're doing next and the shot and so forth. I mean, I, I remember in baseball, I'd sit back in, that, in, the, in the outfield when I was a kid and I was playing with, like, worms and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it just, 
But they say, you know, they say it's America's pastime, and, and I truly believe that because I think football's overtaking baseball in America. Amen? Nobody really said amen, but this is the truth. <laughs> Bojo's sitting over here about to tackle me right now. That's your baseball guy. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. This is something that I remember as a kid. Um, <laughs> there's a kid, I'm not going to say his name, God forbid he's watching right now. No, he should be watching right now. I didn't mean that. He needs to be watching right now. But anyway, there's a guy that I grew up with, and we'll just say his name was Timmy. And uh, he was on our baseball team. And, and Timmy was, was not a good player. He was pretty bad. And uh, Timmy hit a ball one time, and he, he hit it, I mean, connected, hit it great, went all the way uh, to, to the outfield up against the fence. He takes off. He's running around the bases, and they throw him. They try to throw him out at second, and they overthrow they try to throw him out at third, they overthrow again. So then he goes into home, and he gets an in-the-field home run. And then one of the players walk up to him and touch him with the baseball. He never touched first base. See, in baseball, you have to touch first base. It doesn't matter how many bases you connect after that. Discipleship is the same way. You have to connect with God first, guys. If not, the rest of it doesn't really matter. We must also put God ahead of anyone else in our lives. He must be ahead of our friends, our Christian brothers and sisters, our families, and even our spouse. That's hard. I want you to think about this. The, the world fell into sin because Adam disobeyed God in Genesis chapter 3. Adam is the one to blame for disobeying God, not Eve. Sorry, men. It's Adam's fault. Y'all can say, but Eve brought the apple to him, brought the fruit to him, the forbidden fruit and so forth. But we always talk about what Adam did to fall into sin. You know, he ate the forbidden fruit, but we never discuss why he ate the forbidden fruit. It's because he chose his wife over God. See, when, when Eve brought Adam that fruit, Adam had to make a decision. Does the love for my wife trump the obedience that I have for God? Now, at this church, we preach that your family is your number one ministry. Right? Preach it constantly. A ministry is something that God gives you and puts you in charge of. The only thing, the only thing that trumps your family is God and your personal relationship with him. As much as I love my wife, to have to choose between your wife and God or your family and God, it's really tough. But here's what I want to promise you guys. If you go the way of God, the family will fall in place. Always remember that. It might take some time. It might even be a little painful. But I promise you, God is in charge of your family and always has a plan for your family. So men, women... Love God more than your spouse. He has to be first. 
if we put a God, excuse me, if we put God ahead of everything and everyone else in our lives, he gives us something, and I need y'all to catch this, so I want to go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And he even tells you this. He says, seek first kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about how he, I mean, really how God feeds the birds and the plants and so forth. If you go read Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you'll read a lot of that. But I've yet to ever see a bird fly to the top of a, you know, telephone pole and just look up at the sky and open his mouth and wait for a worm to drop in. But the thing that that bird will do is that bird knows that God has provided the worm on the earth and he will go look for it. Jesus goes on in the same sermon to explain that we are more valuable to God than the animals on the earth. He's saying in this verse that our Father already knows what we need and when we need it, he knows all of our needs. So guys, why do you think, I mean, when it says this, he's telling you that to be a disciple, if you're a disciple for him, all the things that you need and the, the things that you need him to supply you with, he knows what you need. Just like he knows what the birds need and the plants need. And he even says, again, in Matthew, he tells us that we are even greater than those. So why do you think God wouldn't supply if you're his disciple? That's what this is telling you. Because, see, this is what happens, guys. Satan will come along. You'll see a family that, that may be struggling a little bit, but you know they're strong Christians, right? And some things are going through in their lives, like it might be something with a family member or, or their finances or something of that nature. And you look at it and you say, man, I, I'm scared to become a strong disciple because look what happened to them. Fear doesn't come from God. It only comes from the evil one. And again, what God is telling you right here is he'll supply your needs if you're his disciple. Those families that you see that may be struggling, I assure you, God is supplying for them. You just quit watching it because it scares you. Sit back, grab some popcorn, and watch the rest of the story. Because I promise you, God wins in the end. Every single time. If you're a disciple, <laughs> you won't come in second place anymore. Now, that doesn't mean, like I'm looking at my buddy Ray Angle back here, that doesn't mean go play golf and you're going to come in first in every golf tournament. Like, that's just not how it's going to work. But, guys, the thing is, is in God's walk, in your walk, in that life, in your life, and God's with you, you're not going to come in second. Again, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. And, again, you know, what are these things... These things are the things that God has already pre-planned for your life. As a disciple, you can accept to receive, excuse me, you can accept to receive all, the God, all that God has planned for you to have because you are operating fully under his rule, okay? Fully under his rule. At the jewelry store, if you buy a piece of jewelry from us, we offer a lifetime warranty. Lifetime warranty on every piece of jewelry that comes through that jewelry store. In fact, we even offer a lifetime warranty on stuff that isn't purchased from our store. But the thing is, is with this warranty along comes rules. And one of the rules that we ask is very simple. That you bring that piece of merchandise into the jewelry store two times a year 
not even once every six months. We just say two times in a calendar year. I don't care if you come in January and February. It doesn't matter. You come two times in a calendar year. That way, if we see something wrong, a prong getting thin or a diamond starting to come loose, we can fix it before it becomes a major problem. Okay? Not too long ago, I had a lady walked in the door that didn't purchase this warranty, or excuse me, did purchase this warranty. And it had been four years since she'd brought it in the store. This ring was literally in three pieces, and she wanted me to cover it. That's not something that, that we can do, guys. It's the same situation, guys, with God. You see, a lot of people call on God to fix the broken products in their lives. But if you didn't seek him first and you have abused the product, you're no longer under his warranty plan. But if you're seeking him first and you're following his plan, he will fix any broken product you have in your life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close today with this question. Are you putting God ahead of everything else in your life? Do you seek him first before you make any decisions? Do you have him as your number one priority? If you do, then his peace will follow. It's not that hard. You put him first and peace will follow. Bottom line, guys, today, I mean, you, you cannot operate as a Christian warrior disciple without God's peace in your life. And the way to stay anointed in his peace is by keeping him number one in your life. I need you to think about one more thing, and that's discipleship and the way to disciple. If you'll do these things, if you'll seek God first, seek the kingdom for him first. In other words, every decision needs to be like this, guys. If you're sitting there and you, you've got to make a decision, which one is going to build the kingdom more? It's not that hard. Whichever one's going to build the kingdom more is seeking the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness. You've got to seek his righteousness. So when you're looking at that decision, if one's right and one's wrong, that's pretty simple, Right? Let's go with righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So if you seek him first, base all your decisions off of that. And if you go with righteousness, and there's one more thing, guys. If you're struggling with discipleship and you're like, how should I disciple? In the book of John, it's very simple. It says God is love. So when you're sitting in a situation, you can't make up your mind. You can't figure the answer out to a question. Go in the way of love. That's what great disciples do. You don't make decisions based off of your emotion. You don't make decisions based off of action. You base your decisions and you make your decisions based off of how is God's love going to shine the most. I was visiting with a, a young man just a few days ago, and there's been some issues in their family. And um, <laughs> there's, a guy, there's a guy that's been coming kind of in and out of the family some, and he wants to kill this dude, man. 
I mean, he just wants to kill him. And I'm sitting there visiting with him, and, and I'm getting mad with what he's telling me. And I'm wanting to go, you know, deck this guy. And he looks at me and he says, but Micah, you know what? I'm in the salvation business. And if it's not going to bring that person any closer to salvation, it's not going to do any good to do that. Grab a pen and paper. We'll write this down. Go ahead, Nick. Seek God's inspiration first. Then you will become an inspiration to someone.